Hi, this is Bob Muir. Yeah, this is Amy Below. And this is Mr. The Bandit. And this is the Bob Muir and the Enemy Below podcast. It was the first one for 2016. First, thousand, first one in a while. Because uh, we just do technical difficulties and the fact we just got lazy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you. And also, and also, I want to quote. Actually, uh, I do want to actually quote from Funky Winkerbean, the strip that they ran on the 31st of December, where they had one character raising a toast, saying, "Here's to the death of hope and our slow shuffle to oblivion." So I had. Well, <laughs> no finer comic than Funky Winkerbean. Yes, indeed, Funky Winkerbean, which will be replaced by the other comic called Up the Vein, a wacky view of the suicidal among us. Also, uh, with a new name for my penis. Okay, Up the Vein, Funky Winkerbean. Okay, so anyway, uh, I gather we've all seen Star Wars at least once uh, in the uh, in the interim since it opened. I, did. I could not believe that uh, uh, Lando Calrissian turned on his friend Han. Yep. That uh, Darth Vader was Luke's father. Yeah. Oh, wait. Is there wait. another Star Wars? <laughs> you, you wonder why you were alone in the theater when you were watching this. Yes. I don't oh, know. No, no. It was just me and Pee Wee Herman <laughs> and Fred Willard. Well, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it is if you uh, have enough room between the seats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and remember to bring your raincoat when you're... <laughs> you don't want it to be Philovision. <laughs> yes. So, um, I had a good time with it. I went to, I went over the Christmas holiday. I went to with my uh, my my brother and my sister-in-law and my niece, who was, like, really, really geeking out about it all the entire time. It was like, they'd all seen it before. So she's like, oh, wow, what a detail. What do you think, who do you think she is? Da, 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 da. So, um, um, what do you think? I mean, I thought, I mean, not groundbreaking, not, you know, not amazing. <laughs> But it did what Star Wars was supposed to do. It was vastly. I just hope that the uh, the bad guys in the next film uh, go. You know what we need? Another Death Star. Yeah, that's the one yeah. thing that was a little bit. You know, let's let's let us now. Guys, I think we should make one, and this time let's make sure that we make one spot on there. Just one spot that if you hit it, it explodes. Okay, we want to have once again. You know, once again the. The, the engineering failure of the Empire continues. It's, it's like, kind of like I was listening to Gilbert Gottfried, and they were talking about, I think it was Ghost of Frankenstein, or mm. one of the Frankensteins, and that, yeah. uh, and it could have been Bride, but that Frankenstein goes, then we must die, and he pulls a lever, and like the castle explodes. Mm-hmm. And they're making a point of like, who the fuck during the blueprint was like, I need one lever that just makes the place just, you know... <laughs> That, that was Bride of Frankenstein. Yes, it'll right. set off the it'll set off the dynamite under the, underneath the castle. At yeah, which I point, yeah, but it was like one lever that's just sitting there that yeah. hey, just in case. This yeah, is the old shit button. Yeah. So of course, you know, there wasn't a moment where you know, no, don't. I think I think it was like you know, Doctor Frankenstein was saying, don't, don't pull that because that's the that'll set off the dynamite under underneath the castle and. You know, well, like, he shouldn't have put the dynamite there. <laughs> and then no the one turned. Like, why is he mad at him? No one turned to him and said, "What the fuck were you doing, putting dynamite under the castle?" And it's said, "Hard to say that as the dynamite's exploding." <laughs> I know, but like, I, I feel that way when I see these like uh, these people that are like uh, into the world, you mm-hmm. know, the religious cult fanatics. Yep. Like, what pleasure are you going to get that right as the world is like about to evaporate that they go, "See, I told you." Yep. 
You're not going to have time. You're not going to have time. I told you. You're not going to have time. Boom. Yeah. So anyway, I enjoy. I actually, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, did enjoy I, it. I had a lot of fun, and I did actually. I found actually. I I actually enjoyed the emo Darth Vader. Uh, I as, did. I, in fact, I liked. Uh, I, I, and I think he was putting on some sort of slight accent mm-hmm. like when the mask was off. I, yeah. Clearly, he had one on when the mask was on. Yeah. But I mean, the uh, it almost uh, seemed a little affected. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like you know how Americans used to do that kind of faux British accent. Hell yes, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, a little more uh, elite. Although I I did enjoy. It was a little Joss Whedon-y in the beginning where Poe Dameron. Mm-hmm. Gets caught and he goes. Wait, do I do I speak first or do you speak first? Does it work? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, I can't hear you under that mask. What did yes. you say? <laughs> I like it's that funny. funny yeah. Yeah. It is funny, but it, it it seems like it's like the Joss Whedon Whedoning of the American oh, the, culture. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm-hmm. very meta. Yeah. Uh, commentary. Not breaking the fourth wall, but commenting on what you know for the audience. Yeah. For those of us who say I don't, I can't understand a word you're saying with that thing. <laughs> uh, not as bad as uh, goddamn Bane. That was mm-hmm. the, yeah, that was, that was should, Sean Connery, uh, you know, sh- underwater sh- on a scuba diving trip. Bane, like, not about I expect to die. Bane should have come with subtitles. I think that just would have been the uh, you know that would have made, made it a lot easier. But I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought I thought I thought it was very well done. I mean, granted, I I think we should really retire the large planet size um, weapon thing. Uh, with the with the one weakness that can be exploited by three people. Well, I think it'd be uh, better if they had a big uh, neon X that was like right here. Don't That's shoot right here. here. We're not we're not saying anything that a lot of people haven't criticized already. And and let me clarify, I enjoyed the film thoroughly, and I certainly uh, for all of the um, criticisms of it being um, a recycling of. The greatest hits of episode four through six. Mm-hmm. I will take that over the prequels ever existing any day of the week and yeah, twice yeah. on Sunday. Now that aside, they did bolster the whole point of having the female lead, which was terrific. Even though Monopoly decided that girls don't play games. Oh yeah, yeah. Her in the game, which she's only the lead. Yeah. But that aside, <laughs> when they got the girl from Game of Thrones to play Captain. Uh, mm-hmm. Phantasma, or whatever mm-hmm. her name is. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which was great because he got that name. It was a uh, homage to Phantasm, mm-hmm. which we'll get to bring out your dad shortly, which was yeah. one of my favorite stars, passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was going to say that was the letdown is that bitch was uh, not only a snitch, but she sold out not just her troops, but the entire Starkiller planet <laughs> with a gun to her head. Yeah. Like, just like. <laughs> Oh shit! Fuck it. Here you go. Right here. Uh, yeah, just, all right, just I'll take that the shields. Yeah. yeah, like there was no like real like putting up a fight. <coughs> and did you see? You know that one stormtrooper that comes out like uh, doing this whole like yippee ki yay motherfucker. Again, mm. we'll get to that when Bring Out Your Dead gets here. Okay. Uh, is swinging around whatever that you know slingshot lightsaber like thing is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has become more to people's minds the new Boba Fett than the kind of preordained. You know, uh, decided upon by committee moment mm. that that was supposed to be Captain Phantasma, because apparently there's a backstory to that dude, the one that's like traitor, yes, that swing that thing around and fights uh, fights Finn. Finn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I was oddly surprised that as much <coughs> of as course he's this, dead now. Well, what's that? So 
he's dead now, so it's kind of like, how well, do you, I'm glad he's Bubba Fat, but he's dead. Not Boba Fett. I just mean like he is a character that that caught people's imagination more than Captain oh, oh, yeah. has. Other than the shiny oh, yeah. chrome of like, ooh, new object. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but I was going to say I was surprised that uh, the death of Han Solo. Yeah. For anyone that hasn't seen it yet, fuck you. Yeah. Made like a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> if you happen to be one of the people <laughs> listening that happen to never see Star Wars, and why the fuck are you listening to this cast? And for those of you listening in Indonesia where it hasn't opened yet, sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whoops. <laughs> All right. Now you may now I feel like a dick. But it the don't. point is, is Han's death doesn't seem like it had that much of an impact culturally. No. You know what I mean? Like people are kind of upset, but they weren't like. Ah, shit. Well, it it just seems to be sort of a natural progression here, you know, as, as generations go, and, you know, and well, and also, he was kind of like... I, you, you know, when I was on my way home from it, I had to console uh, a crying seven-year-old because okay. Han Solo was dead. Oh, okay. It wasn't your who, child, by the way, has the child you found on the street. Yeah, it's a completely different child. Who had, and he wasn't who crying was about the movie because he's in your when van. He, when he showed up at the theater, he was decked out in Kylo Ren gear. <laughs> By the end of it, he was like going, I want to burn all this shit. You're a murderer. So, uh, that's what you should have said to him. I, You're a murderer. I, I, that's what I was because, you know, I'm, I'm not nice like that. <clears throat> not to mention about 20 minutes into the show or into the movie, uh, Carrie had already kind of figured out what was going to happen. And she was crying like an hour and a half before it was over. And I just turned to her. I'm like, honey, we've got an hour and a half left to this thing. You've gotta, I was you got to keep because I thought Carrie Fisher was going to have more work done. <clears throat> yeah. I'm so, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying, wow. and, and yeah, and look, and and enemy below, I agree with you. Like, I, for nostalgia's sake alone, when Han and Leia like meet up and they play the Han and Leia theme, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. and I and I clearly knew where it was gonna go. I mean, because let's face it, I, I I had people that were like, I can't believe they killed him. Like, it it hasn't affected the culture, but certain people came out like, it was like they were upset he died. I was like. Harrison Ford's 70 fucking two years old. He's still got another Indiana Jones he wants to make, Blade Runner 2. What the fuck do you think's going to happen? He wanted to die. He, he wanted to die in, in revenge, in return. Uh, you know, well, it, that's it, true, but that was before he assumed 30 years later he'd, you know, be married mm-hmm. to Allie McBeal mm-hmm. and, and survive the plane crash. Yeah. But the yeah. I was going to say, what I like was the revelation when they put out that uh, shocking turn of events. Peter Mayhew at also, I don't know, 112, mm-hmm. didn't play Chewbacca throughout the whole film. I'm like, this guy's like Richard Keel, the guy that played Jaws and James Bond. People yeah. that, that tall, their knees give out as they get older. I'm like, do you yeah. really want to see I that guy at- as Chewbacca the whole time, limping around? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw him at Star Wars Weekends. He could barely walk. Yeah, that's my point. But people were like, yeah. oh, God, we've got to admit now that Peter Mayhew did not play Chewbacca throughout the entire film. No fucking Shucking. shit. I mean, right, it's... Fucking- so he's like, oh god! <laughs> I hate to tell you, but he's in a fucking Chewbacca costume. I would not know who the fuck was behind that costume. I mean, you know, point. That, there's nothing that Chewbacca did. I mean, his eyes, I guess, but yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, if you put Peter Dinkle in the Chewbacca costume, people would notice. But I mean, still, it's just not. not... He was on stilts. No, that's true. True. <laughs> true stilts. I'm sure important. those uh, fruity French uh, Cirque du Soleil fuckers could come up with something for him. Probably could for him, he but would be I... like Kenneth Branagh at the end of uh, Wild Wild West. Oh wait, <laughs> that is a tragedy. Yes, that was a tragedy. But they had. Uh, but it was. I enjoyed it. I it, it worked. It worked, and it's made a billion dollars, and apparently pissed off 
Uh, and and as a bonus, pissed off George Lucas, which yeah, well, I <laughs> he's always fucking pissed off. I think that guy is perpetually just unhappy. But I will say that what I like, not so much part nine, that mm-hmm. sounds just weird saying that, but part eight, I am <clears throat> look J.J. Abrams for his part. It's kind of like I feel the same way. I think he's better than Chris Columbus as a director overall. Mm-hmm. But he has managed to revive Mission Impossible the Mission Impossible franchise with three, mm-hmm. uh, which was right after Cruz was persona non grata, right? Mm-hmm. Then Star Trek impossibly revived that with a new cast playing beloved characters. Yeah, which was... Uh, you know, two wasn't great, but I just mean he, he, he opened up that door. And with this, yes, there's a lot of criticisms to it. It is an enjoyable film, but it opens up a chapter. It allows the people that were older generation to be pleased younger generation to have new and really to his credit got very charismatic great young actors right. and what i'm ecstatic yeah. about is ryan johnson is writing and directing <coughs> yeah uh, well, episode eight and ryan johnson i just think is one of the best writer directors well, out there today he did to, uh, brothers bloom and uh to give Rick. it a, yeah to give an example of how successful this thing was actually on that kind of level is that my niece and i had a long geeky conversation uh the female lead i forget her name right at the moment Yes, we're, we're, Ray. 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 Who's Ray. Ray's? Who are Ray's parents? We're just right. trying to like, and you know, like we're just you know, like you know. Well, we're, well, let's see on the record. Let's go around. Who do you think it is, Bob? Um, me. I'm. I'm kind of like. I have a weird Obi Wan Kenobi kind of idea, but I'm, that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of like crazy. Although I thought, let's see. Okay, now I get that. All right, well, first, hold on. Sorry, enemy below. Who do you think? I. You know, I'm I'm so bland. I'm going with Luke Skywalker. Just, I feel like it's the obvious choice. You think that Obi Wan and uh, uh, Luke had like my two dads? <laughs> no, not Obi Wan and Luke. But I think Luke, at some point, Luke had some kind of relationship with it somebody. It's probably another Jedi this was a child that expanded. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, the the weird thing for me was when the May lightsaber shows. Yeah, the lightsaber like forced itself upon her, and at the same time, it, it was all of those flashbacks were were very impressive. But I, I love that she picks when she hands it back to him. I do love the meme that's on the internet right now with the look on his face that says, "There was a hand. Did you bring the hand?" Yeah, which you know they did shoot that the scene that I had told you guys about that I heard was supposedly the original opening. Was, you yeah. know, each film starts with the crawl and then it kind of uh, pans down, right, to some yep. sort of spaceship. Was initially it was going to be Luke's uh, uh, severed hand from Empire with floating. a lightsaber clenched in the hand floating through space, which was oh. going to kind of allude to that. That's how it kind of, you know, was picked up and delivered, which I know why they went another way, but I, I for some reason, that image, it has a very Kubrickian feel to me that mm. I just thought was wonderful but ryan johnson i was going to say also did looper which Mm -hmm. also is terrific sci-fi so i'm excited to see what he's going to do and he's pretty edgy but oh no the the other issue with the hand i mean the the other issue with the hand is you how does the hand get into space because it was it was lost on a planet with gravity on it. Maybe someone, you know, maybe uh, Robo Man or whatever his name is, Manbot, picked it up and flew away with it. Through the hand and, and the lightsaber. Face, and it's floating. <laughs> Who I don't, fucking yeah. knows, dude? Like, yeah. it's, it's like it's, 
It's Star Wars. To get into the minutia right. of this stuff. Well, like... somebody somebody was complaining about there isn't a lot of character development. It's like, dude, it's Star Wars. I mean, it, I thought there was oh, a door. I thought there uh, was a. Yep. Someone told me the best review of this movie, and, mm-hmm. and and I and I think you'll appreciate this. Same with you, enemy, because of J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. They said it was like a really good TV pilot. <laughs> It, like, you know what I mean? Like, it sets up the characters. You're like, fuck yeah, I'd like to watch this show. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's just still ingrained in them. And you know what? Star Trek, the first Star Trek, felt the same way of like, okay, let's get this series started. I like let's, these people. Let, let's, let's, get, let's, have, let's have some interesting stories going on. So, right, I mean, this... Can I say who I think the parents are? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Right ahead. Okay. Here's yes. where I'm getting a little... Because um, I, I guess in the, the books or the comics, Luke had a wife mm-hmm. that was a little fucking nutty. Okay. So that's a possibility. All right. Uh, also, it could have been Han and Leia's, but you'd think that one of them would have, mm-hmm. you know. Mentioned um, about a daughter, you know, and what about our daughter kind of thing. Right, so. and I, I think it may, I, I, the way that they've done it, it can't be someone that I feel like we already know. If it turns out to be Luke, it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to have a connection somehow. I mean, at yeah. one point, the toys apparently referred to, I mean, toys that were over in, Oh, uh, China, or, you know, like uh, when Hasbro was releasing it, uh, or something on Amazon, uh, Finn somehow being related to Lando Calrissian, which just feels like, really? Are they the only black family in They're the only black family in the galaxy. How does this work? I mean, mean, you want to talk about tokens, it's one and a trillion is one family. (laughs) Trillions. It's interesting is to see how they've gone. I did like the fact that they said, would you rather us go back to clones when they were talking about how they take these kids from birth? Mm-hmm. But the uh, but as far as Ray, um, I will accept that if it is uh, like a part of the Kenobi line or Luke, fine. But even then, she seems to get force power really quick. I mean, and it also, was... I mean, just Deusa Machina, or mm-hmm. you know, Jedi S Machina. Right. You know, I mean, she just was able to fucking just tear yes. ass. Where you know, and I don't mean farting, but I mean she was trying to tear shit up. Without a whole lot of training, I mean, mm-hmm. Luke was able to maybe dodge a laser from that weird Bobby, you know, circular thing floating on the fountain. and 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 pull the lightsaber out of the snow. That was like about it. Oh yeah, Bef- man, fuck him, man. Like, why would you? If you could do that, why wouldn't you just, you know? I, I don't know. That that whole scene from Empire still pisses me off. <laughs> also, like, why is that? Oh, I will say two things, and I'll, I'll shut up. I'm sorry, guys. I, I just had a bunch of caffeine, so. Uh, my heart is going like a jackrabbit. Um, you may need to call authorities here momentarily, okay. uh, or, or medical attention. Uh, I did like um, that uh, Kylo Ren could uh, freeze a laser bolt, mm. and I like the payoff of that coming like right after. I wish they would have put the uh, Wilhelm scream when he finally <laughs> released it. Just that, ah! you know. But the uh, the other one is I liked when. Uh, Chewbacca only seems engaged when uh, Finn accidentally turns on that. Uh, oh, what is that? That chess, uh, the, the chess board game yeah. from the Millennium Falcon with those like uh, stop motion figures. Kind yeah, of, like, a callback to that. That was nice. That was nice. Oh, and C three PO's. They finally got him where he was funny. I loved his opening line of you "May not have recognized me with the red arm." <laughs> <laughs> that that was actually pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Yes, that's that's about right. Guys, I'll shut up. I really no, did no. have a lot of caffeine, so I know I'm okay. blabbering. Okay, no, I had a great I had a great time in it, and it was it was good, and we're looking forward to in two years. You know, and now I have to like, you know, watch my intakes of red meat and alcohol because I want to live to see the next couple. Yeah, uh, it's gonna next couple. It's there's one four. coming every year. 
Do you realize we've got another Star Wars film coming out this year? Huh? We've got another Star Wars movie coming out this year. What? It, 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 in in the sequence? Uh, no, Rogue no. One. I just mean like... Oh, there's a the Star Wars universe. The, the Star... What are they calling it? A Star Wars story. Oh, okay. But, you know, but it's Rogue One, which will be pre-Episode 4. I just mean we will have a Star Wars or Star Wars related film every year for the un, I mean for the foreseeable future. Okay, Q and the Bill uh, Murray Cue and the Bill Murray singing Star Wars nothing but Star Wars nothing and but Star hey, Wars. Darth Vader in that dark and scary mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Oh, Star Wars. Isn't Darth Vader supposed to be in Rogue One? That's what I heard. Um, I think he will probably make uh, a cameo, cameo because if the character within the timeline is even remotely alive, yeah, they're gonna try to milk it for all that. Because why he's on uh, the Rebels cartoon, you know? Yeah, yeah. The worst offender of that, and Bob, you'll appreciate my yeah for this was in Episode Three where they tried to make a guy look like uh, oh uh, Peter um, and now I just forgot his name, Christopher Lee and Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? The 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 guy that uh, oh man, Doctor Frankenstein to Christopher Lee's monster. Um, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, where they tried to make up a guy look like uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin at the end okay. of episode three, and they like, okay. put like oh, really expando cheekbones on this dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was not a fan of that, but I think you <laughs> could get away with putting that character in. I did like also that there the delineation between um uh the. The, what do you call that? Uh, they're the rebel, not the rebels. Um, oh, the the first order, the first order, like the elite kind of Nazi yeah. uh, mm-hmm. imperial troop type thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you know, I don't know. I guess yeah, imperial troop. That kind of the lockdown of the military versus of like the mystic, whatever the fuck Kylo Ren is. You know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. they're adversaries, uh, or they're allies but adversaries. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. They don't get along well. And I like the fact Kylo would like would tear stuff up when he got frustrated. I thought that was actually, you know, because he's an immature jerk on top of everything else. You know what the rumor yeah. is, right? Is that uh, that he went deep, deep, deep undercover, like oh. supposedly part of this is part of Luke's plan. Okay. Is that and and that's why he's so self hatred? Is that he kind of got too much into character, like he was supposed to? That's how he was going to infiltrate. Of course, that's just. Well, that uh, that kind of likely bullshit. I just, yeah, because I after all, he did he did off his old man, so that's kind of like a little bit. Yeah, no yeah. shit. Also, you know, is he blind now? Is that what happened? I, no, he just got. I don't know. He just got beat up and I, the. I liked it when Chewbacca took a shot at him. And he's like, "Fuck no. this!" Bang! Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but how the fuck did Finn know how to fight with a lightsaber? Yeah. Who knows? Well, Perhaps they have something well. in that technology, like only your thumbprint turns on the lightsaber or something. Like no, I think it's. I would think. I think there's a switch. You know, it's called it's on. A switch. It's, it's, it's on just switch. It's, so, it's so analog. It's like, <laughs> yep, yeah, click. There you go. I mean, my fucking iPhone's got a thumb. Like, I, what, I do. Lightsabers? Do you have some safety precautions on this shit? <laughs> <laughs> I just stabbed myself with a thigh with a thing, you know. Like, it, my <laughs> well, I, I do love the fact that the stormtrooper. I love mm-hmm. the fact that the stormtrooper sees him with the lightsaber and doesn't shoot, assuming that he can block the shot with the lightsaber, yeah. which only a force guy could do. Instead, yeah. gets this metal sword <laughs> block thing wow. and starts beating the living shit out of him. Y- you know what I always say, <laughs> enemy below. I will. Oh. I would rather be uh, lucky than smart. Are <laughs> equipped, are uh, yeah. good at something. 
rather than be lucky than dumb luck. And as Wesley Snipes said in Passenger Fifty Seven, mm-hmm. always bet on black. <laughs> okay. And and with that, we will take uh, take our leave of Star Wars. We're, as I'm being hauled off by the PC police. No, 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 no. Please, I mean the PC the the PC police have been more than busy with the people like the the people that apparently claimed that. The men, there's like some men's rights group that claimed that their boycott cost the cost the film four million dollars. Uh, uh, that the the man boy. Yeah, the man. Yeah, the man boy. You know, the man boy. Or whatever it is. Whatever it is, the men's rights associations or something like no, that. No, they I'm just kidding. That was the the group about uh, men that believe that they should be able to have oh, relationships with Nambla. The yeah, the, the National Man Boy Love Association. No, that's not that. Nambla. <laughs> Nambla. Like, you immediately are like, oh yeah, Nambla. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a charter member since '72. <laughs> well, you know, they're... just kidding, Bob. I'm. So I, I know, I know, I know. Just kidding, but but unless uh, you have been, in which case, no. fuck you. <laughs> no. I thought I so, recognized you. No, I just happened. It just, it's one of those things that just happened to like. It's one of those things. It's like you. The, Is that what you tell the cops? It just happened. <laughs> no, it's there. The 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 epitome of just like the organization you don't want to be anyway linked in any way. Oh yeah, no, no, not even any joking manner. Because yeah, yeah. they have that is one where you shit your pants and try to swim out. You have no option. <laughs> it's like I was saying that. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, just but put the, me up in the yeah in the so, socks. Yeah, so that, just, just shoot me now with it. It's just there's no point. But they claim that they had cost the the cost that you know, their boycott you know had cost them like four million dollars. They did all sorts of like really stupid calculations and things like that. Boycott and, for what though? I don't understand what they're boycotting. Well, they're boycotting because there wasn't a white lead, white male lead. Uh, you um, know what though? That's like those fucking assholes that are always like, oh, there's black uh, entertainment television. Why isn't there white entertainment television? Yeah, it's called ABC, NBC. <laughs> fuck are you talking about yeah. and not only that what i mean? have to There's say not, a... not having any sisters i don't have any kids that i know of so but as a guy who is i like to think progressive and mm-hmm. love that uh, joss whedon pulled up with uh, uh doing a lot of uh with buffy and the mm-hmm. like and and making these female characters especially in the sci-fi fantasy realm front mm-hmm. center that last image of the new pilot of the millennium falcon as this tiny badass little girl right to her sidekick that big fucking chewbacca and mm-hmm. r2d2 in front of the falcon as the new like fucking triumphant of these are our heroes going forward right. and that made my heart sing because i mean i love it that young girls have this character that's just i like the fact <laughs> i kept telling finn i'm good i'm gonna save you now please yeah. you know it's almost kind of suddenly like okay Let's, Don't take. Uh, stop holding my hand. I mean, the stop holding my hand yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> basically, a metaphor for women. Uh, you know, women in all movies. You know, no. just being like, I get it. I can handle myself. Thank you. Okay. So anyway, yeah, we. And by the way, what what do you mean? There's not a white male lead. Wasn't Han Solo in like half of the fucking film? Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, you think they'd appreciate it because I'm guessing probably the majority of these assholes <laughs> are that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's so, what I'm thinking too. Which, which was pretty funny on SNL with the uh, Star Wars commercial mm-hmm. with the uh, these toys are for twelve and up. Yeah, and it, it focuses on the and up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
So anyway, so they're making a, they made a billion dollars. They're going to make another billion dollars with this. So they're going to be making Star Wars films until you know until the until the end of time. Apparently, don't forget Avatar two, three, and four are coming out. They're going to give it a run for its money. Okay, okay. Well, Anyone remember Avatar? I, I watch that like regularly. Like you know, I, I have it on Blu-ray. But here. Let's go watch Avatar. No, it just doesn't seem to. Yeah. It was it the what Avatar was is that the immersive experience in a 3D film in the theater was what it was. It's like doing a sequel to a fucking laser light show of Led Zeppelin in the 80s. It's like, yeah. well, it, it was a, you can't ever relive it, that really. It was a, it was a moment. It 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 did what it did. It was really kind of like so kind of like a remake of the original King Kong using the original King Kong stuff. Yeah, but stuff. you can't but you can't ever count out Capture. Cameron. Every time like that guy is like the yeah. oh, he oh, yeah. points to the fences and you're like fuck you. And, Boom. <laughs> yeah. So I mean it's quite possible he'll do something with it and who knows. I mean but we shall see. I just want to learn to fuck with my ponytail. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. And with that, let's let us <laughs> Let it. Let us move on quickly to. Uh, we lost. Uh, there's not a lot of science right now, and let's not worry about it because we're we're running short on time here today. Uh, nothing really amazing happened in the scientific world, anyway. No, so, no. Uh, which, which by the which way, is, Bob, I was going to ask you. Uh, my time is. Uh, I'm actually okay at the moment. I was going to okay. say. Was there anything else before we jump into bring out your dead? And I'll start um, out. But uh, that you wanted to say about uh, any pop culture stuff because we've got. Uh, <coughs> We've got Batman, Superman coming out soon, and uh, yeah, Batman. Well, we all could that, but or well, we could it? we could talk about that. I think we could talk about that next 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 podcast. The the trailer for Batman, Superman, the the Robin custody case. Easy, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, easy. Yeah. Okay, sorry, resume. So we can do with that. I mean, they, they did actually. The one thing that actually, what well, the trailer they did actually appeal to me was actually there was actually a moment of humor where Wonder Woman shows up and they kind of Batman and Superman look at each other and I I thought she was with you. I mean, yeah. so it's like, yeah, you know, I, I hope okay. they have. Apparently, the guy who did the script to Argo uh, mm-hmm. did a major rewrite on it. Okay. And I hope that it has, because Argo had a pretty funny sense of humor also. I mean, yeah. True story, but that kind of camaraderie sense of humor, mm-hmm. Butch and Sundance kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Or mm-hmm. more modern Ocean's Eleven. I hope they have some of that banter, you know, that yeah, is back and forth. actually clever. Okay, so anyway, we now we, we have lost, uh, in the interim, we lost a lot of people, so let's... Stitch. Bring out our dead and just Jesus. Uh, yes, uh, the in fact we let us start with the guy from Phantasm. Boy. Which can you get a better? I mean, almost it, it is other than Benedict Cumberbatch, which just sounds about <laughs> as snooty as you can get um, for a British actor. I just mean for a guy playing a horror icon of the name Angus Scrim. Oh my it God! That's like a that's a character name. from a horror film, you know, Angus Scrim. He's the, or actually, it sounds more actually more sounds like a character from a Dickens novel. He's the yeah. he's the shifty solicitor. Yeah, because Dickens always had that way of making the words just sound like what the character is. But he, mm-hmm. this guy, played the tall man since uh, from the very first Phantasm, and there is a uh, new fifth Phantasm coming out that he got to shoot and finish before he passed on. He was, I mm-hmm. believe. Oh God, he was eighty-nine, I think. Mm. I mean, he he lived a long, healthy life, but he didn't really get into Phantasm. I think he was in his forties or fifties, and yeah. he came. Uh, and he never did a whole lot more, but he did some character actor stuff. But he will live on in the hearts and minds of horror fans. Boy, <laughs> boy, <laughs> that 
that long, pointy finger uh, and throwing his balls at boys. Speaking of that, yes. uh, yes. the point is this. His, uh, huh, Angus yeah. Scrim, I just... I, I had seen him, and I've heard him speak, and he is, uh, as most people that play uh, pure evil on the screen, they are usually the nicest people in real life, and he mm-hmm. just came across genuinely as one of the sweetest people you could meet, and just so appreciative of... Yeah, I, Never in his life did he think he would be, you know, in <laughs> films, much less becoming an icon on any level. He was 89. Mm. That was it. He died on no. January 9th. So, uh, okay. it's... It, uh, and, and by the way, Phantasm came out in 79. Yeah, so, so he did for, I'll say, I don't know, what is this, 36 years, played the tall man? <laughs> I could do something else. I can play shorter. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I can get on my knees. Okay, back to Namble again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I am a horror fanatic, and... Um, that was a great reading about his stuff in Fangoria since I was probably 11 and just was fascinated with him uh, along the likes of, say, Robert England and, uh, oh, Kane Hodder and Bruce Campbell of the more modern day horror mm-hmm. icons. He just, uh, I am glad he was able to do one last Phantasm. Yep. And I look forward now to seeing that uh, when they release it. Yeah, it's. Um... I just told her the, the first Phantasm was just such a such a mindfuck of a film. I just it remember is. And, that. and to think that it was filmed over it's kind of like the first Evil Dead. It was filmed over years. It was done with uh, you know homegrown money, real grassroots. And yeah. not only that, Pascarelli, who directed it, uh, he was only like twenty one when he did it. You know, or something just absurdly young. Yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, as we say goodbye to our uh, say goodbye to the tall man. And then um, another actor who, who has just left us, and um, another great. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about uh, maybe someone that says Mr. Potter? Yes, yes, Mr. Potter. What is it you said there, McLean? Yippee Papaka. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love, love Alan Rickman. I mean, even before the whole. Harry Potter craze, and not even just in the uh, the villain roles. I mean, he defined the modern villain mm-hmm. from uh, Die Hard in, oh, shoot, was that uh, 80 or 89? Yeah, but that was a terrific. Yeah, and he just made it, uh, that was 88, and he, from that point on, that kind of ambiguous European baddie. Yeah. Uh, not only did every action film become Die Hard on a bus, Die Hard on a boat, mm-hmm. Die Hard on a plane, Die Hard with the president. But every bad guy was a vaguely European bad guy. And uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to believe that was his American film debut. That was his American film debut. I understand also for the Die Hard that they, one of the things, I don't know if it was him, it was an interview, but they said they were, they had to, they were telling me, they told the scriptwriter, the screenwriter, to like cut his lines because he's, you know, he's, you know, they don't want him to talk too much. Oh and really? Yeah, and, and the thing was like, but he's an int- you know, how to make him an intellectual, but only talk in word, you know, in one sentence. Well, some people, you know, it's uh, each word counts. No, I yeah. agree. I, I yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like maybe there was some, uh, probably behind the scenes of someone thought that, um, you know, Bruce Willis is known to be a bit ego driven. If he mm-hmm. felt that the other guy was taking, uh, uh, <laughs> taking the movie or becoming too. 
Well, I'm Aren't sorry. Too much ownership or getting the the more fun, you know. Well, uh, I, I'm sorry, Alan Rickman just you know anytime he's on the thing just takes the scene takes the well, movie right out for fun. I mean, it is. I mean, look, we all love. There's a <laughs> wicked part in all of us that that's why we kind of we don't root for the villain, but there's a part of us that kind of secretly, uh, you know, uh, admires that they mm-hmm. have uh, <laughs> you know, any lack of scruples or have to, you know, um, <clears throat> yes, actually hold to any type of societal. You know norms, <laughs> but uh, I, I'll tell you what—a film that is not very good, but that he uh, has one of my favorite lines in was uh, Robin Hood, uh, yeah, Prince of Thieves, where he plays uh, yeah. Sheriff, Sheriff of, uh, uh, Nottingham, right? Mm-hmm. I love the line where he says, um, "I want to—I'm going to cut out his heart with a spoon," and his uh, cousin's like, "Why a spoon?" And he looks just so just disgusted that the guy would even you know reply, and he says. Because it will hurt more. <laughs> it's just like, I never. It's just such a dumb line, but the way that he delivers it with such panache. Uh, he did. He did. And also, he also was the voice of Marvin in the movie for the Hitchhiker's oh, Guide to the yeah. Galaxy. You get a better voice for a depressed robot. Yes. Yeah. As yeah. always, I am depressed. <laughs> he was phenomenal in Dogma, and people always forget that movie. Yes, yeah. yes, he was. And in fact, Dogma, I still maintain is a. Uh, I think that is one of the better Kevin Smith films, where it actually seemed like that was a make or break if he was going to be the guy just telling stories about uh, Silent Bob and Jay, or if he was going to actually become a filmmaker, and it's kind of a shame. I thought uh, that film showed promise. That you know, then just kind of went downhill. <laughs> but yeah. he was great, yeah. and that cast is pretty phenomenal, looking at yeah. it today. Yeah, so uh, it just, and everyone just, I mean, everyone is just... Can I say one other thing about Alan Rickman? Sure, sure, sure. I would highly recommend. There is a more intellectual, and I say this this is kind of snarky, but a more intellectual version of Ghost Mm -hmm. that he starred in. uh, It was really close to Die Hard called Truly Madly Deeply. Okay, that And he plays the ghost of the the husband of a woman who's still alive, and she's seen Mm -hmm. his spirit, and it is kind of like the film Ghost, but it's a little more... um, it's not. It's not difficult. It's not that deep. It's just a little more, uh, um, not as over the top, you know. But it, mm-hmm. it's a very sweet, sweet movie. And it's the first time I saw him post Die Hard, and I was like, oh, so that's range, you yes. know, like to see because I just had, you know, at that age it was Hans Gruber, right? Yeah. The other one, uh, <clears throat> and Galaxy Quest, of course, is a. a and I, good... I was going to say Pride and Prejudice and Galaxy Quest, which is probably. One of the top three Star Trek movies ever made. I, yes. in the same way that Charades, excuse me, not Charades, Charade is the best Hitchcock film Hitchcock never made. Right. Or when Harry Met Sally is the best Woody Allen film Woody Allen ever made. Right. Galaxy Quest yes. is the best non-Star Trek Star Trek movie. Yeah. It is really a, just a genuinely great film. And, and just a loving, and it's just a wonderful tribute to to the whole thing at the whole the, the whole experience without a, not making oh, cheap jokes even at the people that uh, at the expense of those who love it uh, yeah. those that don't know Star Trek or the lore can appreciate Shade, but I still love I still love you know like we're uh, oh the what's her the, the, the female lead there there he and Tim, she and Tim Allen are going through the engine Courtney Weaver Sigourney Weaver and Sigourney Weaver just loses it because of the the pistons that are going all all. Wait, why would anyone put this in the middle of the right, ship? Right, exactly. I like that her only role really was to do the countdown. And to say <laughs> and, the original show is the to say what the computer said. The computer says yeah, this is my yeah. job. It's a dumb, stupid job, but this yeah. is my job. Which really is. I mean, it, it, that that movie is so <laughs> meta. Yeah. And so clever. 
Mm-hmm. And you don't even need to know the references, and it's still cute and funny. But if you yeah. know the references, it's just it's, an added layer of yeah. Just it, only someone that loves something that much could make something that is poking that kind of fun. Yeah, you really have to love Star Trek to make that kind of film, and it was just wonderful. And he was he was great. And oh, as, 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 as Gra- the, uh, Leonard Nimoy composite, yeah, or, uh, uh, and he was just like. <sighs> I grab Thor's hammer. I uh, shall be revenged. And he's like, and and he brought real pathos to that. And gravitas. Gravitas at the end when you know the guy that was you know when the alien who had worshipped him dies in his arms. Actually, that person. that character and dies in his arms, and, and he and he looks at him in a way where it's not like he feels like oh god I, you know I'm just an actor. He understands the moment, and you can see all those emotions going on in his eyes uh, and that complete sense of empathy and love for. This person in that moment, and to give him that, the yeah. thing that he most despised in his life, he realizes that's what he can give, and he gives that. And it's just a, it's a beautiful, it's a. I, I kind of got gold teary eyed when I, I saw I that. I yeah, agree. With that. And that really comes from Alan Rickman just being so committed, and and I think there's a soulfulness to his eyes. Hell, even in the Harry Potter films, when I'll tell you where I got teary eyed because I don't, you know, the Harry Potter <laughs> films. Uh, I read some of the books, but then I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just watch the movies at this point." <laughs> yes. I mean, I know the books are good. I'll get to it at some point when I, you know, reboot and the films are out of my head. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, dedicate yeah. that time. But that sequence when you realize in uh, the very last movie that Snape all along has been the the, the bad or the good guy, right? Mm-hmm. And that the sacrifice he made was having to be hated. Mm-hmm. You know, by all these people. And <coughs> the way he plays it, he never asks Harry for sympathy. He never says, but don't you understand? Uh, you know, he just gives him the memories, and it was all worth it. He just wanted to see the love of his life is reflected through her child's eyes. You know, he loved this mm-hmm. other woman so much. Mm-hmm. And that he yeah. was willing to be the most hated person in the world. Like he, right. The person willing to take on that burden. Right. Right? And it's just, Without yeah. Without any it's... pomp or circumstance, never got a fucking parade or a medal. He just yeah. had to you know, fucking take it on the shoulder. Well, I, I couldn't do it. I always feel like when I see that, it's like when I watch the end of Casablanca. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. don't admire Rick at the end, but yeah. I'd be like, hey, Nazis, uh, that's the man you want. Yeah. Hey, Elsa, I'm sorry. They got him. I guess we're going to stay in Casablanca. Elsa, I'm sorry. It's, it's just We'll have to stay in Casablanca for yeah, a while. Fuck in the draw. <laughs> I don't know. I guess someone tipped him off. Weird. Uh, gee, gee, but weird, isn't it? that knew about it, you two didn't weird. have a chance. I don't know how they found out. I don't know. Maybe weird, he just isn't wanted it? to give himself up. He understood. We, maybe he understood it's just a life on a run wasn't worth it anymore, and hey, let's fuck. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know what? That is my pickup line in almost every bar. Life on the run isn't worth it. Hey, let's fuck. Okay. Speaking of hey, let's fuck, uh, we, um, we lost one of the giants of rock and roll as well. Uh, Mr. Ian Lemmy Kilser. Um, passed away uh, to just great astonishment because people didn't think he could die, uh, which was sad, which is not true, of course, but he was apparently like... I thought he was dead, actually. I was like, really? He died? I thought he was already dead. Yo, okay. How dare you? (laughs) I thought he had died four times at this point. (laughs) Get off your high horse. It's like like Keith Richards. Every once in a while, I'm just like, is he really still dead? He just doesn't know it. Well, so there's, there's a great. I've been dead for thirty years. There's a great onion. There's a great onion thing in, in the. Uh, there's a great onion thing. It's like you know Keith Richards' housekeeper has been terrified of walking in on him dead for the last thirty years. So yeah, yeah well, I, I'm sure that I mean I, I'm sure every morning he sees his reflection in the mirror. He's like, well, I'm not a vampire and I'm not. Oh, all right, I'm alive. <laughs> so anyway, so we lost Lemmy. Well, um, at this point, do you want to uh, cut to our our on the uh, in the moment? Special tribute. Um, I, I was 
too plowed to really. I think that didn't. Oh quite, really? Right. I don't know. You want to nice stuff in there? I thought. Okay. All right. Well, we can try. I mean, I just like to say. I, I think we can clip through it, but I think it. Here's a moment from actually when we found. I actually when I found out, when I found out that Lemmy had died in honor, I probably drained far more Jack and Cokes than I've had in like years, and. I called the bandit up, and we tried to get the enemy below as well. But we, this is sort of like live, in-person grieving for Lemmy. So anyway, as the as the bring out your dead section of whatever podcast this is, we're bringing out the biggest dead person we've had in quite a while. Lemmy Kister has left the building, and frankly. I honestly didn't think that son of a bitch was ever going to die. I was like... <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I saw he, he lived to be 70, which is pretty remarkable <laughs> considering the life he lived. Well, I mean, he was like said, I, the only thing he didn't take was heroin, which he heroin, which is what he <laughs> attributed to his long lifestyle. Is Basically, he was on amphetamines most of the time. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but that, that doesn't account for, say, you know... Alcohol and red meat and cigarettes. Cigarettes and, and bourbon, which was apparently his 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 um, his tipple of choice. Um, he apparently he and Ozzy both share a certain bizarre brain chemist uh, body chemist had shared a certain degree odd body chemistry that they metabolized alcohol quicker than normal people do. Ah, so, so it's like the Flash. Yeah. So it was harder for them to get drunk. But of course, once they got drunk, oh. Katie, part the door. Uh, <laughs> right, because the amount that it took, it's like a, a tranquilizer for an elephant. Yeah, basically. It was one of those, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, there was, that sto- there was that story about Ozzy Osbourne, who, like, basically, he uh, he was like, I was bored, and they, they had given me all this flavored vodkas from Russia the last time we played, and I drank them all. And... Then Sounds he, reasonable. And then he, he apparently walked into Sharon and he said, we've had a discussion amongst ourselves and we've decided it's time for you to go and start strangling his wife. Um, at, ah. at which point she hits what she apparently says that she hit the panic button, which always surprised me about that story is because obviously she was nervous enough to put a panic button in the house. Yeah, to, to that, summon was, the police. That, that there was an anticipation level. <laughs> yes, that this was always a possibility with, with with Ozzy. But Lemmy was—I mean, Lemmy was just Lemmy, and and this is like you know one of the great ones is now gone. Uh, Lemmy just simply was unrepentant about who he was and what he was and who he was and what he was about. And I I, I did a quick count of the Motorhead albums that I have. After I heard he, you know, I just said, like, well, how many do I have here? And I got, like, 35 of the damn things in my apartment here. So it's like, uh, <laughs> which is like. Oh, yeah. Well, no, and, I, and and here's the thing. is What's funny is, uh, because I, I remember Motorhead, but when I think of Lemmy, I also think of, and this is going to be an odd pull, as he, he was the narrator for Troma Pictures' version of Romeo and Juliet called Tromeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Where he recited, you know, verse from from Romeo and Juliet. Well, some pretty outrageously disgusting. Which, by the way, you sound much better now. Okay. Um, hey. I was saying that. Well, I knew Lemmy from uh, Motorhead. Mm-hmm. One of the other uh, memories I have of Lemmy is he was the uh, narrator 
for Troma Pictures' uh, depiction of Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> he, would, oh, he would recite the bard <laughs> from the streets of New York as, like, you know, intermittently as they would show these quasi-pulled-together scenes of Romeo and Juliet, but mixed in with lots of gore and uh, excessive nudity, and I think at one point in a dream sequence, a monster's penis. Okay. Like a penis that turns into a monster. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. I, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's yeah. about right. Right, and he would sit there on the streets, and, and uh, you know, it, it, even though he, he died of cancer, and uh, mm-hmm. apparently. apparently he had an aggressive cancer that just came on quick, and that was just, it was done. He was just like, he apparently he was diagnosed on the 26th that he had this aggressive form of cancer, and then, Ugh. bang, bang it goes, he was apparently playing a video game, which, honestly, I would kind of like, I was thinking about that, you know, I said, I would probably, if I was announced that, you know, I'm sorry, you've got, you know, this is it, it's oh, aggressive. It's better than to drag it out with some yeah. of those things. It just could be, yeah. I mean, I look, I don't want to die at all, I mean, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you're going to go, like, it's better that than when you see some of these poor bastards that are withering away, you know. No, oh, yeah, I have, having having experienced the withering away bit, I, uh, I can, I can, I can, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely understand that. I mean, but you know, it's like you know, it's apparently live fast, die die at seventy was apparently Lemmy's, uh, you know, Lemmy's <laughs> Lemmy's lifestyle. Uh, good God! I mean, Jesus, he did everything. I mean, can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yes. Okay. No, I was saying that uh, I think both he and Keith Richards seem to be uh, pickled. Yeah. Yeah, there's a certain degree of pickling going on there with, but with the, with the two of them, with the two of them, apparently Keith is going, oh shit, my number's up now. Uh. Yes, I, I always thought I was given the eternity pass. Like, let me, <laughs> like, let me. It's like, oh god, no. Which surprised that no one thought came through more often with that whole last face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that thing, those things on his face. I was like, I was like. God, I mean, you've just had some money to cut those goddamn things off at some point in your life. Somebody said, you know, you'd be much more attractive if you didn't have these fucking warts on your face. <laughs> yeah, well, you would think, like, and at some point, it was almost like he wore it like a badge of honor, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, Lauren Hutton with the gap at her tooth. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, yeah, but anyway, I just... Um, not a choice I would make. Certainly not Matt. Certainly not. I would not. I mean, you I know. Have, I have enough issues to deal with. Much less. Much less. But, you but got, it pronounced him, and it made him, you know. It made him, yeah. yeah I mean, but everyone, again, it was always, you know, he's fucking Lemmy. I, I remember there was actually, I there was a story. There was a, um, there was like one of the things on the, some internet Exchange, you're going around, you know, you know, bass players don't get laid at all, man. I said, and I went, I just kind of typed in Lemmy. <laughs> yeah, what about, uh, what about bass players? Yeah, yeah, about what bass... about uh, Sting or uh, Paul McCartney? Yeah, well, I, I I didn't even get into them, but I just the first one that came to my mind was Lemmy. And it says, well, you know, he's fucking Lemmy, so. Um, well, it's not just him. It sounds like everyone's fucking Lemmy. Yeah, so. Um, of course, the uh, the Lemmy is his his actually real name was Ian. Um, the Lemmy comes from apparently during the early days of his um, career as a musician, where he's going around saying, "Could you lend me a fiver?" Uh, <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah, and um, 
So but, now, what was your what was your favorite album by Motorhead? Oh, oh dear, oh dear, that's kind of like, um, oddly enough, uh, I would say actually, Rock and Roll was one of my favorites, and that's not an album that is regarded as being like one of the greats of the uh, of of the genre of his um, of his oeuvre. Um, I would say, you know, I, I mean. You know, no sleep, no sleep till Brixton. You know, no sleep till Hammersmith is, of course, a great album. It's live, and everyone, you know, it's it's just insane. Um, and there's oh, a yeah. there's a little there's a uh, there's a there's a special thanks to Smirnoff Vodka in the in the uh, credits. Uh, well, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like the car sinking the gasoline. <laughs> well, he says thanks to the smear of vodka, without without which some of this might have been coherent. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, but um, I don't know if we should be thanking Smirnoff vodka. No, I think I'm, I've been drinking bourbon since I heard the news. I mean, so it's just like yeah. Well, it is. It's a it's a passing, but you know what? He lived seventy years. He lived a good life. He lived a mm. rock and roll life, and mm. lasted. You know. A hell of a lot longer than anybody thought he was going to. Uh, yeah, most of that 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 life, you know, or even you know, the the life expectancy for someone that's living that lifestyle. But you know, like, he lived it up, and he spent yeah. money. He lived yeah. the way he wanted to live. He, he he went and you know, apparently he was he died playing a video game. And I'm going, you know, actually, you know, if if you're going to give me like a choice of how to go, that's not as bad as you know some of them could get. Well, I mean, he lit up like a rocket. No, he left like a rocket. Yeah, he just lived fast, died fast. Lived fast, died, died in seventy, but but still quick. I mean, you know. Yeah, expedited. Yeah. We were, you know, we were we were lucky to have his presence and and his his take and and contributions to. And there was such a there was such an earthiness about Lemmy that he just was not you know he, he just he really did not believe in any of the bullshit he was being told you know it was just like uh, no he was a very earth no, he was very grounded human being for everything that he did oh he, yeah and I what I like is that it's not he was never excessive where it was like this uh, you know. Uh, was the like the defiant ones where it's like what are you rebelling against what do you be a god it was just kind of this you know straight shooter no bullshit you know just he he was who he was he knew who he was and made no bones about it mm-hmm. and he'd rather be drinking at the pub than like doing anything fancy with anybody yeah. i mean that was really his 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 is and he he has a lot there's a lot of like really subversive songs in his is oeuvre as it were, like you just because you got the power, you ain't got the right. Eat the rich, uh, even you know, like it just there's a lot of there's a real understanding of what it looks like from the. I am there, All son right, of a bitch. This is like ridiculous. Son of a bitch, the ghost of Lemmy is haunting us. Lemmy, for God's sake, we're trying to honor your fucking memory. We stop fucking with the electronics. <laughs> well, I was go- what I was saying before was that I like that the- his rebellion was not his act. Mm-hmm. His rebellion came from this is the drum beat that he was, you know, that he. This created, is it. And you either got on board or you didn't, and you know. Yeah. 
If he did, great. If not, if not, he didn't give a shit. I mean, which was like, you know, a, a though I do remember the decline and fall of Western civilization part two, which has Lemmy as a major figure in it. Um, he's being into great documentary, by the way. Yeah, he's being both of them. Yeah, he's being interviewed. Apparently, like uh, he's apparently like you know like early morning, so apparently he hasn't gone to bed yet. So the sun is coming up behind him, which is like you know, which, <laughs> which is about right. I thought. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say on a, on a completely uh, side note, I was going to say the uh, the woman who directed both those documentaries also directed uh, Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. So I can understand just, where she just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there, so it's okay. So, um, but you know, uh, he was like, "This is obviously years and years ago." Says, you know, so what do you think? And she, apparently, somebody asked, "What do you think as um, of yourself as a role model?" It says, "Oh, I'm a great role model. Look at me, I'm alive." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? There's some days where what what more else can you ask for? I I know. That's like, yeah. He's like, you know. He was just like, you know, he's not a, you know, he wasn't a, you know, he was, there was, there was not a lot of hypocrisy in Lenny. I mean, that was really, that was the thing that really made him what he was to so many people that, that there really wasn't, you know, he just did not, you know, there were no fucks in Lemmy to give. I mean, it was just, he was, um, he was just really, he was himself. He was, and he just, you know, he was a... You know, and he was one of a kind, and he understood that, and he just, you know, like, you either lead, you know, it's like, lead, follow, get out of the way, or it basically you say, I am Lemmy, we are Motorhead, we are going to kick your ass, enjoy. And if you don't want to do with that, get the fuck out of the stadium. I mean, it's just, we're not, you're not, you're not one of us. So, um, I was, I am, I am quite, I'm amazed at how, touched i am by his death i am i'm surprised at that uh, oh yeah i am and i was also surprised to discover i have 35 albums of his so it's like <laughs> I was, well, I it, think... it is it, it, it is amazing but you know i mean it, it's you know one of the people you think is going to live forever but mm-hmm. you know it, it none of us we are not guaranteed forever that lucky or unlucky as uh you know whatever the perspective yeah but you know he 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 had a very long and very uh uh, fruitful life Mm -hmm. yeah so he just apparently i mean actually apparently after age 60 things started to go like downhill physically because he had some problems like he had diabetes and some other stuff as well but he was you know he was still up until like three weeks ago, he was still performing. It's just like, you know, so. Well, and he was still working up until the end. Yeah. So, I mean, they just released it. I mean, the most recent album was just released this year. So it's like, uh, it's, you know, Bad Magic. It just was just released within well, this I year. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't ask for a whole lot more than that in the sense that, you know, I mean, he, he never had to worry about retiring and still mm-hmm. got to do what he loved up until yep. the very end. Yep. I, um, you know, I just, yeah, there is that, you know, there's that, and I will also appreciate, he also was lived the life, and he also, he loved the, he was, he was 
genuine in his love of the music. He was never, that was really, he did a great song about the Ramones. I mean, he was a great friend of Johnny Ramone, of Joey Ramone. I mean, and it was just, there was something, he, there was, there was never anything, you know, uh, insincere about him. He really, this is really what he was about. This is, you know, and I think everyone just, it went, you know, everyone, um, was um, oh god I can't even forget I, I didn't even know the word but basically everyone was attracted to that or understood that or just basically made you know Lemmy was Lemmy Lemmy made you know Lemmy made rock and roll and Lemmy was like about rock and roll and everyone ex- you know that was as as what Lemmy you know and everyone everyone found that that was the authentic authenticity of Lemmy was like incontrovertible inc- 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 oh go. yeah there you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's about right, and I think that sums it up nicely. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'm going to like finish drinking the rest of this Maker's Mark and Coke that I had made myself for. By uh, all means, <laughs> and if, if you need, uh, call me, and I will call the uh, I will call the New York City uh, uh, ambulance. No, no, I think we're good. I mean, you know, like Frank, <laughs> Frank uh, honestly, to be honestly, to be honest, I have not put this much alcohol in my system in quite a while, but I I think I'm. I think I'm about wait for you to hear the recording. Oh God, I think I, I think it's going to be pretty awful. But no, not at all. Actually, you know what? Surprisingly, like Lemmy, you've been coherent. Oh Jesus, <laughs> that's that's frightening. I would rather I'd rather it's like Jesus Christ. We can't have to use this. You're 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 jab, jabbering like a fool. And now you're pissed off that it actually sounds cordial. Yeah, without without someone, you know. Come on, man! I'm, I'm doing I'm doing this for Lemmy. How can I possibly? Oh man, it's fucking rock and roll, babe. But anyway, so this is I mean, but the problem is is interesting. I have no way. What's a little frustrating now, I think, oddly enough, is the fact that we don't have the band together, and it is a, we have no way. I have no way to express honor him. Like you're giving like some sort of a memorial. Yeah, I have no way to honor him, you know, and you know, because I'm just doing acoustic stuff, and I'm sorry, you know. There's he did some acoustic <laughs> songs, but shit, you know, it's just. The... Well, you know what though, but see, that's like when uh, you, you could do a tribute, like uh, when Ben Folds uh, recorded, uh, you know, uh, uh, "Bitches Ain't Shit," mm-hmm. you know, by Easy E. You yeah. know, that's uh, uh, you know, he did that acoustic, and that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll that see what was... I'll see what I can do. I mean, I don't know if I could, you know, I would, I would always. And one of the thing, one of the reasons I will always honor Lemmy is because in the song Motorhead, he actually rhymed parallelogram. So I was, I was very. Well, I think that'd be good, though. I think that you, you should, you should see if you can make some nice uh, uh, solo acoustic versions of some of his work. Yeah, yeah. We're moving, you know, four day, five day marathon. We're moving like a parallelogram. Yeah, like uh, uh, who's it, Rick Rubin? Yeah, uh, something like who, that. Who's the guy that produced all the Johnny Cash American albums? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it Rick Rubin? I think, believe so. Yeah. But but, but when it strips it down, sometimes mm. that's even more rock and roll. Yeah. So, but anyway, Rem, let me. Damn you! But, but the important part is, is that his work lives on, and yeah. he is remembered, and his legacy yep. and his memory still lives on. Yeah, I actually only saw him once live, so that was like the, uh, and there was an enormous fight that broke out in front of the stage, which is about right. Uh, oh, yeah. Come to think of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Was like during the middle of Orgasmatron, apparently just this fight broke out. Unfortunately, my friend and I were like up on the upper upper level, upper level, and it's like people were actually getting the shit kicked out of each other. 
and he was like, yeah. he's like, okay, fine, you know, God, it's rock and roll, fuck you guys, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good answer to almost every, every yep. query, but, oh, fuck um, you, it's rock and roll, fuck you, it's rock and roll, and, um, I would say that that's basically a good way to end this particular horrible segment, that I somehow, I think, so. I, think uh, I think there is no fitting, uh, more fitting tribute to Lemmy than fuck you, it's rock and roll, yep, so, anyway, Lemmy, let me a bastard. I, you know, it's one of the reasons. You know, it's. I don't think there's an afterlife, but damn, I kind of hope there is because, I mean, if there's anybody that deserves a good one, it was you. Um, he, uh, he, he was a uh, big bucket of wind, and he will be missed. Yeah, it was there. This was like this is like one of the great ones has gone, and you know the world will not be. It will not there. It is not as full as it used to be. It is not, but but it is better for having had for, him. For, better for having had him with you, him you, and uh, I'm gonna go finish the rest of the Maker's Mark, and uh, we'll I'll, we'll talk to you uh, at some later point in time. <laughs> that sounds good, and uh, and uh, off off recording. Uh... So, but uh, the other thing is the one thing I do want to say. Before, I'll cut out the part where you're like, and let me tell you about the Jews and the blacks. <laughs> yeah, let's say, <laughs> let me tell you. No, uh, I, I want to say that one thing that I was thinking about is that, and all the stories about Lemmy and the fact that the rainbow ran out of uh, Jack Daniels during his uh, at his at his uh, at his wake, which is basically what it was. <laughs> That's kind of so, funny. To the point where they're going, no, he drank vodka too. Drink vodka, please. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, Although I gotta give it to him. I like Jack Daniels. That, uh, it, Jack, Jack and Coke is is a dangerous combination. I just I discovered. That's I drank mostly because I still love sugar. I like sweet things. I'm yeah. Southern and I like sweet, but I don't like the mint juleps. Yeah. So you know that he just go. They just went down with that. So he. They, they ran out of Jack Daniels, which God love it. Uh, but the thing was that they, I, I would like to say honestly, is that what all of the stories and it's, it's great. He was a, a, a one of a kind human character, and he just was he he was what he was all the time. But a lot of you know he made music, and people were forgetting that notes were involved with this stuff. And he was a right. dedicated artist. At, he was a dedicated musician. To be that fair, was sometimes he forgot notes were involved with that stuff. It did too. He forgot notes and words and shit. Yes, but that's true. <laughs> but. That was what he was. He was a rock and roller, and that was the music was what pulled him through everything. Uh, the rest of the stuff is, you know, was kind of like he kind of like said, well, you know, people don't want to go to a rock and roll show to see somebody like crying and wimpy on stage. You know, they wanted to see somebody larger than life, and he he gave them that. Um, 
Though I still a little bit. He was almost like a uh, the. <laughs> I was gonna say it, it's a little bit like he was like Iggy Pop's even gnarlier brother. Mm-hmm. Iggy Pop's biker brother would probably right. be the best way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three chord. You know, the music was very simple. Three chords, no waiting. There was there is. There is some actually like some some hard or you know there's some wisdom. I think there we're is, hearing some of that music in the background at Enemy Below's house. Yeah, there is some wisdom to what there's some stuff. Never the, yeah. There's some stuff in there that he when he wrote and the things that he wrote about were actually there's not there's actually some you know like pretty much street level just street level wisdom about the world in there as well. You know, yeah. don't let don't let, don't let them tell you what to do. Uh, how to live or who to be, you know, live it for yourself kind of thing. We talked about it that night, but I think the the beauty of Lemmy was there are certain people that put on a air of like, fuck it, I'm punk rock, fuck the man, you know, like the whole like, I'm rebelling, you know, like, uh, what was it? Lemmy was... was, What are you rebelling against? What do you got? What do you got? Lemmy was... But it doesn't seem genuine. No, Lemmy was genuine. That was authentic. Lemmy, the word... playing the act to get the attention. It just who he was. Right. Uh, I do have music and the art and just as him as a person, I think. I, I do have to say, however, my fa- I did actually read White Line Fever uh, some some years ago, the his autobiography. Uh, okay. Two quick stories. One was he heard about that, heard that um, he heard that Keith Richards was getting his blood changed in Switzerland. Right. So he, he went to go talk to his doctor and ask about it. And they took a measurement of his blood and the doctor came back and said, you don't have normal blood. I don't exactly know what the hell it is, but clean blood would clean blood would kill you. <laughs> Whatever they were powering Chernobyl with, is what you have in your veins. <laughs> Whatever he just had a very different body chemistry than anyone because he was like you know taking amphetamines and drinking and smoking for like forty years. Well, so did, the, like, uh, did he have? He died of what? Pancreatic cancer. I, I, I think he had cancer. It just went everywhere by the time the body just gave out. I think right. No. No. Basically. No. I don't. Even, yeah. That's. That's actually morbidly funny. That it was just like the time bomb. Once it ticked, it was like, and we're done. Because and we're he, done. he went so quickly, from what I understand. It wasn't well, like that he had hid the news from the public. He literally found out at the beginning of December, and yeah. was you know uh, he was dead three days later before the end of December. Yeah, he was dead like three four days later. Which uh, sounds like he, pancreatic cancer. I mean, well, he was in he was in a lot of trouble. He he had some diabetes and it's a lot of he had a lot of physical problems after he was sixty. There's some problem. He had some well, problems. Whatever that, that thing that was living on his face. Seemed, the moles. The, they seemed like to a, be. He had a quato in his face. Well, they kept they kept getting bigger. I mean, if you look at the pictures over the years, <laughs> they kept getting bigger and bigger. You know, it's like you know, like in Total Recall, quato is in the guy's chest. Let me just wears it on his face. <laughs> this is my quato. <laughs> So, anyway, the um, the other one was the other thing was that and for a guy that really looked like he could like freeze sweat and stop clocks, uh, he got laid an awful lot. Uh, and he was describing that back when he was uh, with Hawkwind, he was he he was also uh, with Hawkwind. He the, the the phrase that always that keeps ringing through in my mind is orgasms on acid are fantastic. By the way, uh, is it well, so? yeah, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> So let add with that. Let me leave that as Lemmy's last. Uh, as we hold, leave leave Lem, leave the uh, leave the legacy of Lemmy and Motorhead. Well, and anyway, three... before you do that, just repeat it for me one more time so I can write this down. <laughs> Orgasms on acid are fantastic. By the way, the by the way part. That's what I needed. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, I agree. And, uh, and now we get to another 
Rock and then Michael. another giant uh, of of the of the world uh, of the world of music. And interestingly enough, a sort of different, almost a yin to Lemmy's Yang or Yang to Lemmy's also, Yin. Also, I would say authentic. Uh, yes. Now, as much as he put on, uh, no, no, I was going to say as much as he put on an act. I genuinely believe that he was Ziggy Stardust. When he was Ziggy Stardust, we are of course talking about David Bowie, the 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 death of David Bowie. Interesting enough, I'm not was not a huge fan, but for some reason, like after he died, I mean the the when the all juke of the music uh, the, the jukebox started to be reflected. You went, oh yeah, oh wow, and the jukebox well, of my mind was quick, just real quick with um, real quick with David Bowie is he's, yeah. for me personally, he was one of those guys that um, I didn't really like his stuff, but uh, I liked all the people. Who took his stuff and turned it into the things that I liked? See, so, now, can I, okay, now I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, enemy below. I was just going to say, as much as you liked Lemmy Bob, mm-hmm. I, I feel a similar affection for David Bowie. I just, mm-hmm. I, I get where you guys are coming from, but oh, no, he yeah. to me just continually reinvented himself, and I think that his music profoundly is, you know underestimated and uh, oh, uh, not underestimated, clearly he's a rock icon. I just mean that the influence it's had, you know, his work is, around with the Lou Reed at the time and, and the Velvet Underground and the way that he worked with Mick Jagger not <coughs> in the streets in the mm. 80s, but and not, you know, Bianca Jagger catching them in bed together. But <laughs> the idea of what Bowie did of creating this persona, you know, I, I think very much influenced a variety of genres of music, and mm-hmm. I think that that was, you know, the, the great white, well, Duke, you know, just how he presented himself. He was the man who fell to earth. Like I, yeah. when I'm saying genuine, <laughs> yes, he was self-aware. Yes, he was in on it. You know, he was but, smart enough to put himself on the stock market and became the world's wealthiest Brit. Yeah, at least for a period, <laughs> and I paid like a billion dollars. You know, God bless him. He was married to Iman. His son Duncan Jones is now a famous film director. He did. Uh, Oh, a moon, and is doing the new Warcraft film. Is mm. it. Which, by the way, this is made me laugh. He, he was born David Jones, and then the mm-hmm. monkeys came out, and so his first thought was to change his name again because he couldn't mm-hmm. be Davy Jones. He changed it to Tom Jones. Doing the photo shoot. <laughs> I, guys, and, I've uh, got to run to rehearsal, but I love okay. talking to you. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you later. My best, to everybody. Bye. Okay. Yeah, we we. Enemy below. Thank you for your. Uh, thank you for your time. Okay. As is. Okay. Yeah, I know he had to go. So, anyway. So then he changed his name to Tom Jones. Right. That was the, as they're doing the photo shoot. It's not unusual to. Right. His name was released, (laughs) which was funny because Conan O'Brien was the one asking him this, and Conan O'Brien said, and then you changed your name to David Cassidy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But she got a similar laugh from uh, out of Bowie. So, uh, he just, uh, no, I, I'm usually not that grandiose about these things, and I'm pretty cavalier, you know, about no. this kind of stuff. But I, I genuinely was affected no. by a lot of his music. Not all perfect, mm-hmm. right? But I, I just admire, I, I admired him I as know, an artist. Bowie, Bowie, Bowie's a phenomenal. Was a phenomenal artist. He, he was a, he, he, I. I, 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 I'm sad that in some ways that it took his loss for me to realize just how important he was and just how, how great he was. I swear to God, um, the people next to me uh, for the last week uh, that I've been driving mm-hmm. around town, anyone sitting near me has to be just 
uh, irritated because I've had Life on Mars playing on full blast <laughs> yeah. for about a week. Although I love the uh, in the film uh, Life, uh, excuse me, the Life Aquatic with uh, Steve Zizou. Yeah, the Wes Anderson film. They have a uh, actor musician on there. It's a French guy, and he sings uh, acoustic covers of Bowie songs, and he does a <laughs> acoustic version of Life on Mars in French, which is just. <laughs> Really pretty, actually. Yeah. So, but, it, I he, no, but he was um, he he you know he it would you know he he produced Transformer for Lou Reed. I mean that was just right. um, he saved Iggy Pop. I mean yes. which which has its good and bad points. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 you did the world a real favor. Well, you know, you don't want to. You, 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 you don't, don't wish death on someone? That's very sweet of you. I don't wish death, but certainly silence would not I be in You were such a, a saint. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally discreet retirement would, would not be entirely out of the question. No, I, I mean, I, there's some some of stuff I like. Some of stuff is like, oh, Jesus Christ, shut up. Uh, but, uh, but Bowie's, you know, Bowie's... Um, but I mean, for me, per- actually, for me personally, actually, what, the, the fact that Bowie rescued Mata Hoople is remains, you know, for me, just a a staggering, you know, that was, you know, f- because I mean, Mott and Ian Hunter is like really, that's my band, that's my guy, that's the one that sort of like spoke to me in a way that, you know, that kind of like resonates with me about as much, you know, them and the Ramones, those are the two groups that really resonate with me personally, in in, in a very personal way, but. uh the thing is, for me, uh, I mean, when I got into Mott was simply that I heard all the young dudes, and I've been listening to rock and roll. Oh, and, yeah, that was a good song, though. I like that no, song. No, and, and, I mean, Bowie wrote that. Right, so, well, it's kind of like when you hear uh, oh, Badfinger, they're one of their biggest hits. Uh, yeah. The biggest hits. Uh, With Paul McCartney, uh, come and get it. You know. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you want it, here it is, come, come and get, get it. it. Which, it sounds like a Beatles song, because guess what? Paul McCartney wrote it. Apple and McCartney <laughs> wrote the damn thing. So, but what I remember, what I remember most about that was I was getting, I had, um, you know, that, you know, the, I mean, I've been listening, I was kind of starting to get rock and roll. I mean, I, I, I really didn't listen to popular music until I started driving, because then that's on the radio, and that's what's there. So... I was so you know getting and that was kind of some of it was good some of it was but da, 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 da. I didn't nothing really got me that one just showed up out of the blue on like an FM station and I just always remember that line is there concrete all around or is it in my head and that at that mm. moment of my life that so perfectly it succinctly summed up my emotional fucked up state that right. I simply I have to get this album I, I just have to get this song it was just that you know that kind of mania which i didn't get actually i ended up getting mott because the guy didn't know all from about the hoop of but i mott was mott's a brilliant album as well so you i that he rescued you know one of the things that he rescued mott the hoople and ian hunter's career because ian hunter does not do any jack shit after right. you know after uh, you know after brain capers without without david bowie and uh, I'm, he re- he recognized that. He said it changed. Well, he you, said, know, you know what else it, it reminds you of? And I, I'm sorry, I'm not. Feel like somebody's watching me. It's like a lost Michael Jackson song. Okay. Because Michael's on the chorus, and I believe co-wrote the song. Yeah. That guy never had a hit after that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're right. These these are there was something where these artists, these these grand artists of their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, almost use these guys like a cipher mm-hmm. to do stuff that they were just kind of working with, right? Well, I think and, it, uh, 
you know, and I, but I, I, that's not to dismiss their talent, but yeah. mm-hmm. then you also have to say they never really did anything again. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I will. I, I disagree with you that mod, but but they were. They. I don't mean that to say. I'm not. I don't mean that dismissively of them, but I just mean they. That was their biggest. That was their biggest commercial hit, and that just got them. And I mean, it broke them open, and they became like you know they became a, a huge band right after that. At which point the uh, they weren't unable to sustain because Mick Ralphs and Ian Hunter just couldn't get along. Uh, yeah, so well, that yeah, good point. Yeah, so but anyway, but but Bo, what Bowie did and how Bowie did it, and he he was I think you know in. In the, ch- I I don't didn't mean to imply that he was inauthentic as compared to Lemmy, but he was always trying to do new things. He was very much a an artist like that. Find out something that was interesting to him, and he'd do it. You know. Yeah, well, right, and and that's what I mean. I, like Lemmy didn't ever put on an air. It was just who he is, and mm-hmm. that's and that's perfect. And I think that's what makes Lemmy great. What I think I was trying to say is that bowie was self-aware of mm-hmm. the creation he was creating it was mm-hmm. part of his art kind of like andy warhol a lot of his art was just his existence right right like his whole existence was a canvas i think bowie was self-aware but you can't make these things unless it's a part of you on some right. level no but he he did every everything he did was artistic he was an artist just down to his fingertips and that was, you know, and that was very, you know, and he was very important because of that. And he was also very important for a lot of things, including like, you know, uh, his acknowledging of his own his own bisexuality, which he said he kind of regretted because too many people concentrated on that. After, well, yeah, and know. I think that he he kind of uh, really, in some ways, with Lou Reed and uh, um, oh uh, Iggy Pop to some level, yeah, uh, Mick Jagger, I think, started that whole kind of androgynous. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, vampiric. You know, yeah. we are we're you know we're too beautiful for to be the average man. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. per se, but I mean just that mm-hmm. kind of that sense of I'm not going to be limited by the societal rules. Yeah, and and that and that you know that was that's very important and, and became and and has become more important as as time went by. And, and just you know, just he was just he was a he was he he was a genius at what he you know he's a genius at doing this stuff and this is what he did and he was an artist and and the 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 gap that it's just amazing now just this there's this huge hole now it just and where are the transformative artists of you know this gender this cup and coming generation who are they there's nobody out there doesn't seem to be anybody out there now, that has but the, I mean but you know what to be but fair, who knows people said in the beginning of the 70s before he came along so right. I mean we just we never know what's around yeah. but I know that you know like Madonna and Lady Gaga and a lot of other people like that would not exist without David Bowie's example oh, yeah. no 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 and not just them I just mean it's so much of the oh uh, not just, I mean, even when you look at, say, Green Day, when he mm-hmm. was doing, uh, oh, uh, American Idiot, you yeah. know, and, and or, or the uh, Black Parade or whatever it was, the, yeah. the guys that were starting to put on, like, the black makeup and the white face, shit, yeah. like, uh, the, the, who am I thinking of? Not the crush. Uh, uh, My Chemical Romance? No. Well, My Chemical Romance, but I'm thinking in the 80s, uh, oh, the kind of emo. The Cure? Or... Band, uh, Cure? Cure, thank yeah. you. I said the crush. I meant Cure. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, seeing him, was it Robert Smith? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh, that was the Smiths, I think, Robert. Anyway, but... No, 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 no. Uh, the Smith is... Uh, oh, yeah, it's Patty. Yeah. But anyway. the point is, is that that whole putting on... Shit, dude, even uh, Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, the hair bands. I, I'm just saying, like, the idea of putting on a facade of mm-hmm. a 
a larger than life, you know, almost Kabuki style, mm-hmm. you know, makeup show that rock and roll was not just like, you know, not just garage band, but could be theatrical. There we go. That's what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. And I'm yeah. saying even some of the punk rock bands today and uh, the hair bands and heavy metal uh, shit, dude, even stuff like Guar or even the you know, the girl bands, you know, if you see some of the videos that they're doing, you know, things that uh, R&B, you know, mm-hmm. putting on that character and really creating a alter ego, almost in an alternate universe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. I think that he had a big, big yeah. part of that influence, even in subtle ways that you see in modern music yeah. across the board. Yeah. So, so uh, Starman, you uh, are go- you are gonna be missed. I uh, just yes. you know, probably I, I would you know, as much as I like Lemmy, you know, like it's kind of like three chords, no waiting. You know, yeah, the new songs were nice, but you know, they kind of sounded the same as the other songs, and it was nice to him to hear he was active, but you know, David was not like that. David David had a different. David would go on to something new, and that's going to be missed. That 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 era of ex- that idea of experimentation, and be willing to fail miserably at something because you think it was interesting to do, is just you know that's not around a lot, and that's not a that's never around a lot anyway. So you know it pass its passing should be noted. Yeah, I so, agree. And uh, uh, and and for and for some people, labyrinth. Yes, and for some people, I watched it again, and I was yeah. like, oh god. <laughs> But, and, and for some people, Labyrinth, or the, or the man who fell to Earth, who yeah, was. Can I can I tell you one thing that 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 I, I think you may be amused by? Yes. Not, but one of my favorite David Bowie performances. It's such a throwaway thing, but why not? It's a podcast, so who gives a shit? Is the uh, in a I I just mean like if I'm not going to talk about the uh, uh, the most minute things here, <laughs> then where? Yes. Uh, the show called Dream On used to be on Showtime. Yes. Yes. I think it was Showtime, right? Uh, HBO, actually. HBO, but... sorry, yeah. And uh, for those not up to speed, a guy has fantasies throughout the day, and basically they had a uh, open access to the old vaults of, I think, uh, Paramount or MGM or Universal, old mm-hmm. films. And so they use the old clips as funny kind of asides of what he's thinking throughout the day. And somewhere along the lines of the show... They are doing a film about his ex-wife's new husband, who's like the saint. And the guy they get to direct is played by David Bowie. (laughs) And he plays an over-the-top director, like real pain in the ass, like very narcissism to the umpteenth level. And he says at one point, there's supposed to be a scene that has like a hurricane, right? Mm -hmm. And he looks at the fan they have and he screams out, I felt more wind from my grandmother's ass. <laughs> Not the greatest line, but my friend, uh, my best friend from childhood and I, we would recite that to each other all the time. We just thought it was the funniest thing. And the way that Bowie played it with his erudite voice, you know, playing the most mm-hmm. regal version of his British self, was like, I felt more wind from my grandmother's ass. And then walks off the stage. <laughs> also, that's the show where I realized in real life he actually had one blue eye and one brown eye. Yeah. It, oh, it's like, I think one was kind of like, the pupil was kind of like a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, it was two different colors, I believe. I mean, unless yeah. he just wore a contact for. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. That, that's What's the... terrifying is he, uh, he and uh, Rickman, mm-hmm. uh, my parents' age, which really my parents were like, ah, oh, fuck me. <laughs> you know, I would say, yeah. 
twice uh, twice this year, and twi- excuse me, yeah, twice this year, and twice in the last week, it's like, oh, David Bowie died. Hey, he was mm. our age. Oh, Alan Rickman died. Wait, he was our age. Oh, mm. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sense of like, ah, oh, shit. Oh, good. Here we go. This is happening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but I'd like to report they are doing quite well. Thank you. Okay. Sounds yes. good. Sounds good. Yes, I just mean when you start to have people, when they're, they are, and we both are quickly reaching an age where it's like, oh, yes, there is a uh, expiration date to this. Yes. <laughs> Yes. thing we call life. Yes, my uh, my sister said our vistas are not unlimited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor words. Yes. So, anyway, uh, so we just very quickly move on to um, the bad movie. This is uh, a trauma, and as as a recommendation, because uh, Lemmy serves as the chorus, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Which was just such a crazy film. I was, You're I was, welcome. I was thoroughly entertained by this stupid thing all the way through. And even, like, even actually, no, I actually even actually appreciated the fact that they did actually set up the big reveal at the end earlier in the film. That it didn't, you know, you, if you were paying attention, you you knew it was coming. Right. Which well, I, you know what you know what amazes me is that I, you were such a Lemmy fan. I thought, yeah. you know, I was treating you to something that you were going to be like, yep, seeing it. No, no, I, 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 for some reason, I don't know, Troma just had never been, um, on my radar quite as much as the other, as other... We have a, we have a slight age gap between us. Not, 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 I mean, no, I'm not saying that to be snarky, I just mean that there is, there is a, a, a generational age gap between us, and I mean that within the, you know, 10 to teens age Mm -hmm. gap, but I just mean, Troma was at the height of what it was doing, like Toxic Avenger, what it was doing when I was in the middle school years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I would, and you would probably have been in college or yeah. at some point. And, and I, I just mean like it hit at that 12 year old. Oh, it's dorky a boy sweet spot. Oh, it's uh, a 12 year old dorky boy sweet spot. Yeah, there's tits. There's just gross out humor. You know, it's, yeah, there's, you know, there's popping heads exploding. Yeah. You know, every yeah. orifice is shooting something out of it. So, you know. Yeah, you know, the women making out. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's made it where you felt okay about it because it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a sex scene and I'm going to feel weird around my friend. It's like, hey, there's tits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of like and, that. Uh, now those tits are exploding. Yeah. So and and all sorts of weird stuff. Like it was just, it was thoroughly entertaining. Uh, thank you very much. And and I couldn't quite understand what Lemmy was saying, but that's the way it was. That's well, always. And, and and I know that normally in bad movie we will uh, give a recap since this is a Romeo and Juliet knockoff. I will say this. It does a fairly reasonable job of actually uh, uh, doing the story, yeah. You know, like actually following the original story. Mm-hmm. But the other one is is uh, Lemmy serves as like the narrator Greek chorus as a man on the street with his kind of as you said garbled, indistinguishable, real heavy mm-hmm. blue collar British accent, accent. wearing uh, wearing a German officer's office. coat. <laughs> Although, uh, I did warn you about the penis monster. Yes, the penis monster does show up and in a dream sequence. So that was quite the... Uh... And, and and this film is also famous for, it was one of the first uh, trauma films that got reviewed by the New York Times and mm. got a very positive review from the New York Times. But not only that, it was written by James Gunn, this film, because he started as an intern there. Right. And mm-hmm. from this, 
he went on to write the screenplays to uh, Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. or the live-action Scooby-Doo 1 and 2, which are not good, but, are, you know, you can see the fan uh, the fan love for the original show, and it was mm-hmm. for children, not for adults that are, got nostalgia like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one was uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which uh, Quentin Tarantino at the time put in his top ten of the year. Which, mm-hmm. which now, this is where I'm going to get to here. Now we're going to bring it into the comic book nerd thing. Because of that movie, Zack Snyder, the director of that film, went on to direct 300, mm-hmm. which got him Watchmen, which mm-hmm. now has got him into Superman, which right. has got him into Batman, Superman, which has now got him into Justice League. Alternatively, James Gunn, because of that screenplay, yeah. uh, got to first write some other films, but he also got to write and direct, and he did two smaller films... One was called, uh, oh shit, now I forgot it. It's like, not Squirm. But it started Nathan Fillion. I'll think of it in a moment. Okay. Hey, folks, this is just how my brain's working. And the other one was Super, which was like an even lower budget kick ass Mm -hmm. and uh, even more realistic take on the superhero genre. If what if someone actually tried to do this for real? Mm -hmm. That is fucking incredible. It is the guy from, uh, that played uh, Dwight on The Office. Yeah, he's the he's the super guy. He's the right. guy that does and, it. And, and it is, uh, it is such a genuine performance. <laughs> like you actually, there is. I I get teary eyed at the end of that film. Of uh, pathos. I mean, it's funny and it's fucked up and it's surprising. But that movie allowed James Gunn to be considered for and put in place of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And he well, just finished the screenplay for Volume part two. two. And Guardians of the Galaxy Part One is a terrific film. I just. Uh, I, I love it to death. And did you see who this rumored to play uh, Star Lord's father? Uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah. Was, which is, you know, yeah, it's a, that's a film and, geek. And 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 coming full circle, apparently he had written a role for David Bowie to be in it, and he oh. and he found out uh, through his people that he had been sick. He kept it to himself. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a shame because he he put one Bowie song in the original lineup, but he said Bowie may be the only artist that makes it to Volume Two. That that mm. gets repeated. Oh, you mean on the uh, for the um... yeah when at the end when he finds the tape from his mom that's yeah. a cool mix volume two or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that will be uh, uh, Bowie I think he's going to repeat on there if he can't have the person you know because they had the rights to some of his other music yeah but mm-hmm. uh, no I just think it's interesting that Tromeo and Juliet uh, was a well reviewed but b um, it actually launched the people that are now in charge of you know the tent poles for DC and Marvel yeah. And it just really, it's quite the... Um, or by, or by, by care, not vicariously, but, but that seed led from one to you know, the other, the other, the other, the other. And now we're talking about multi-billion dollar franchises from people mm-hmm. that were making uh, dick monsters. Yes, <laughs> and having a ball doing it. I just... I wish they would say that on the poster. From the guys that brought you dick <laughs> monsters. <laughs> just, it was just terrific. I mean, it really was. Just Kill that ball. I have two of them. <laughs> You're eating too fast. Uh, <laughs> but, but okay, so uh, I think the uh, I would I would you recommend it to people? I would definitely recommend it to people. Yeah, this I, is def- you this have is a strong stomach. You do. I mean, we're, we're not talking classics here. We're not. To, you need to have a strong stomach, and you need to have sort of like um, you know you got you got to you got to you got to get in touch with the inner Beavis and Butthead to watch this film. I mean, that's just uh, you know. That's where where that's where this goes, you know. It's just oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is like I said, it taps into 
you're if you had a uh, ever had or have a inner twelve year old that is uh, uh, likes gross out humor, yeah, collected Fangoria, and mm-hmm. likes you know still gets titillated by mm-hmm. titillating <laughs> tits <laughs> yeah. for no apparent reason other than just kind of juvenile reactions. It's like mm-hmm. Mad Magazine, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just over the top and stupid, and it it is self aware and makes no. Next. No, he's no, for not a, for a single. They apologize it's not for really nothing. Scary or gross? It's so over the top. You can't. Do yes, it. you know, and and they, at the end with the two mutant children. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And by the way, that's James Gunn's uh, brother, uh, one that uh, the the one that starts singing "Go uh, Go Tell It by the River" or whatever. Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. He is in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy as Hondo's right hand man. Hmm. But it's just I, I just I loved I loved the film. Thank you very much. I loved Lemmy's rather just deadpan weirdness. Yeah, I, just, uh, I thought you would appreciate that Lemmy had a uh, a secret alternative life as a narrator of Romeo and Juliet. Well, he was in films occasionally like that. I mean, he was there was like some some bad films he was in. Uh, no, and he, was, uh, he wasn't in the Magic Christian, right? No, he was not in the Magic Christian. I think it was a little too early for Lemmy to be in the Magic for Lemmy. No, I'm Lemmy. kidding. That just to me always sums up. Yeah. When musicians probably shouldn't be in movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or but, or Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Well, no one should Sorry, have been the in Bee Gees that. and uh, Peter Frampton. And no, no one should have been in that film. It should have just been like, you know, like, I'm sorry, we decided not to make this. I, movie. I will give I'll give one person credit for that movie. Uh, right. Oh, and now you know what? I'm losing my fucking mind. Who played uh, the Doctor in uh, Halloween? Uh, oh. The, oh, uh, what's his? I know, yeah, right on the tip of my tongue. He also played. Uh, and Bond as uh, mm-hmm. yeah as Blofeld Blofeld but I'll think of it in one second mm-hmm. he uh, does a version of a song in that movie where, Donald Pleasance yeah Donald Pleasance um, he uh, and I can't remember which song he sings but he does it like the kind of Rex Harrison talk sing okay that is brilliant that that yeah. I like but all of that aside uh, yeah by and large by lunch. Anyway, so what to to anyone who wants to go see this film, basically what it is, it's it's the story of Romeo and Juliet. It's set in 1980s New York. Um, they make foreign films with with nudity, and that's the the Capulets and the Tromeos, and they've split off. And the reasons they split and why they are fighting come together. And there's a Tilbert character, and there's uh, another. You know, they have characters that that basically disagree with each other and then they have uh you know romeo tromeo and juliet meet and i i think you know and then all sorts of other horrible things happen and then um they get actually they 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 duck the tragic end of the of the original play so that they have a happy ending with uh, mutants being spawned and it's really just i just that's it's, right well that's right instead of uh, instead of dying instead of dying you know which is a though interesting worse than death fate worse than death but actually interesting that does actually that has a long tradition actually during the victorian era uh, they also would do you know the traveling shows of romeo and juliet would would change the ending because you know people would just get too, you know, like, upset that these two wonder that these two children were dead at the end. And in Shakespeare, it was like you know, shit, man, shit happens. People do stupid things. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think people forget that Shakespeare, he played to um, his audience was the average person of that time. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean, I, an English teacher once said to me, and I thought it was funny that. 
what did Shakespeare uh, prevail at was, you know, teenage sex, mystical monsters, and mm-hmm. ultraviolence. Yeah. What's the biggest thing on the screen today? Yeah. Teenage he, sex, sex, mystical monsters, and ultraviolence. ultraviolence. And, and actually, he very often was just basically, okay, here, here's the story of, you know, here, like, um, here's the story of Hamlet. Write this up for a play. Okay. You know, he's very much like almost like a modern screenwriter in a lot of ways that way. I mean, he was oh, just yeah. like the story was there and he just would run with the story and, you know, make changes as he went along. But anyway, uh, well, that's. Let me ask you this. Would, mm-hmm. What would you rather sit through again? Uh, that mm-hmm. or the uh, DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet? Uh, not having seen the DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet, I can't actually. I'm being a little silly. It's, it's actually but, not that bad. <laughs> but, no. but, 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 I mean, that's sort of like that. That just seemed to be overwhelmingly earnest angst from which, the clips I've seen. Which, by the way, James Gunn, uh, mm-hmm. who was Slither, is the film I was thinking of, which okay. is actually a fun kind of uh, throwback mm-hmm. to kind of the, the slimy uh, practical effects of okay. uh, uh, horror in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so. A little Carpenter-esque with a more uh, <laughs> snarky sense of humor, but also yeah. if you're a gamer, which I am not, yeah. he did a game that was quite popular called Lollipop Chainsaw, <laughs> which, well, he'll like this button. A cheerleader and zombie slayer, Juliet Starling, uncovers the root of a zombie outbreak. She must balance the drama of high school, wait mm-hmm. for it, while carrying out her zombie hunting lineage and chainsaw skills to string together lethal combo moves, taking out scores of the undead, and also tagging along with her is the head of her uh, ex-boyfriend. Okay. Yeah, lollipop <laughs> chainsaw. Uh, just, uh, I just, uh, the title alone is worth it to me. I'm not even a gamer, but I would buy it for that. <laughs> and uh, and as you I'm, are doing what you're doing, I'm going to look up the song Donald Pleasance wrote in Sgt. Pepper's, because now... Okay. Okay. But, anyway, so um, and, and with that, really, because I mean, it's... Go see this film. It just there's, you know, like, it's... it's There's... You know what? The thing about the tro- this particular film, which I does not happen in a lot of bad movies, there is an energy to this film. It is moving forward all the time. There really isn't a lot. There isn't a lot of people sitting around at a desk talking to each other, which is a trope in some of the films I've seen that happens so often that it's just it, there's just there's enormous energy of it. And it tro- well, I think I think a film like this is one of those movies, and I think it's at the appropriate length. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these films, to me, it's like whenever I watch a compilation of, like, the Grindhouse trailers, mm-hmm. yeah, about two, three minutes is enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen I've seen the parts that are the, the they are clearly putting the highlights in that three minutes. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and that's usually enough. But this film, I, I will say, the one thing um, I did like was that, and I mean this, is that I sincerely kind of liked the characters. No, and that was the other thing is the is the characters were, the character the, the main leads were likable. Uh, I, I could have I could have dealt without the masturbation scene by the guy, but that's just you know that was oh you old fuddy duddy. Yeah, I'm an old fuddy. Yeah, I know. Which, by the way, I did figure out the Donald Pleasant song that he sang in Sergeant. Okay. Yes. Uh, only second to Steve Martin's variation of Bang Bang Maxwell Hammer. Yeah. But uh, he sings as he is the uh, corporate. Uh, you know, uh, corporate stooge trying to lure mm-hmm. them into the musical world. Yeah. Uh, I want you. Uh, she's so heavy. Okay. He's kind of talking of, I want <laughs> you. I want you so, so bad. bad. It's like this really just kind of very sinister version. Uh, anyway, hi. Anyway, uh, the enemy below has left the building. So uh, this is Bob Muir saying, peace, love, Shonen Knife. And this is Mr. The Bandit saying...